This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. It's time now for the battle to BPM. Big Witty Special. And so you left the Conservatives, uh, of course, to become a Brexit MEP because of the party's position after the EU referendum. But you're now backing Liz Truss over Rishi Sunak, even though Truss voted for Remain and Sunak voted to leave. Tell me why. Well, the choice is terribly simple. It's between somebody who did vote to leave but has done absolutely nothing to take full advantage uh, of Brexit and somebody who did not vote to leave, but once the result was in, then put her back into making Brexit work. And she's done more in terms of getting trade deals uh, than Rishi has done. Um, and therefore, actions speak louder than words. I mean, it really is as simple as that. That is the motto. Actions speak more loudly than words do. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rishi made it and did, and I'm very pleased that he did, vote, remain, vote leave and talk about it. But it's Liz Truss who's actually done uh, the real work. My problem with Liz is, and it's been mentioned on your programme already, she's as stiff as a Victorian governess, um, as I said uh, in my very good uh, Express column today. Uh, every Wednesday, by the way, page 13 usually. Uh, but she really is wooden in presentation now. She's going out on the campaign trail. She's really got to up her game. Uh, as far as getting some oomph into the campaign goes, because Rishi is a very slick performer. Um, and let me say, you know, Rishi did vote leave, and uh, I don't think for one moment he'd ever want to uh, to get us uh, closer links with Europe. So if he does win, um, I shan't be distraught. But if I want something done, all Rishi is promising is same old, same old. Trust is promising something new. No, and I, I did read your Daily Express column uh, today, oh, well, and and it was very good. I always read it, and I read I read it every week. And you say she's going to have to be more inspirational on on the campaign trail, and really, she doesn't oh. have much time, does she? Because the the ballots get sent out to Conservative Party members literally at the end of next week. Uh, the big BBC debate is on Monday night. So so she's got to up her presentation style almost immediately. Yeah, she's got a big challenge. And she has because she is very, very uninspiring uh, as a performer. What she does is she turns out solid work. She turns out solid results. She has imagination when it comes to policies. But when it comes uh, to presentation... Uh, there's a complete absence of any rhetorical uh, skill at all. Does it matter, Anne? It shouldn't do, but it does. Uh, it matters because so many people these days take their impressions from the media uh, and uh, they, they, they are looking for something more than, than just a workhorse. Um, and I think she's got to show that. She's got to show that flair. Um, that, of course, is why, you know, so many people uh, loved Bojo. He had flair. Um, he had uh, he had charisma. Uh, he had his own character. Um, and I, I think Liz has got to put a lot of work in into the uh, the style of, of her presentation. And she needs to get somebody to give her some really good advice. 
I think she just has to show the real her, Anne, because I played the clip earlier in the week, actually. There was that uh, fascinating moment in the ITV debate on Sunday night, which was really quite unedifying overall, you know, because it was blue on blue and, and, and they were going for each other. Yeah, not a good debate. But Sunak was given a chance to ask any question of the folk on stage and he chose to go for Truss. And he said, oh, you know, what do you regret more of... Uh, uh, voting for Remain or being a Lib Dem. And he thought it was a real mic drop moment, a real gotcha moment. But actually, off the cuff, with no notes, Truss relaxed and she told her story. You know, and her story is really fascinating. Yes, she did have left-wing activist parents. She did go to a comprehensive school in Leeds and she's been on a political journey. And actually, I found that moment of her incredibly compelling. Yes, I mean, the fact that somebody has in the past voted a different way is does not exclude you um, from uh, subsequently seeking office in, in a different party or on a different side of an argument. Uh, and um, I, I mean, I, if Rishi would only show some imagination... Yeah. Um, He's like a robot, he, Anne. He's too slick know, for me. I, I, would, I would think he, he would be the safer option if he had any imagination at all, but he doesn't. Liz does have imagination. She does have a solid record. She can say, look, you know, I got these trade deals. Mm. You know, they weren't things that the fairies brought. Liz went out and got them. Um, and that was when I started uh, to have a lot of respect for her, even though she had voted Remain. Um, but at the moment, uh, at, at the moment, I'm backing her, but she's really got to get some style. She, that's what she lacks. OK, well, big endorsement. Anne Whittakim. Backing Liz Truss for Prime Minister. And thank you so much. We will speak next week. As you know, I have expressed serious doubts about Rishi Sunak becoming the leader of this country after his brutal backstabbing of Boris. And it seems that grassroots Conservative members agree with me. A devastating new YouGov poll published yesterday showed that Liz Truss would comfortably beat Sunak in a runoff with the Foreign Secretary a whopping 19 points ahead. But some of his MP supporters are folk I have huge respect for, and one of them is Mark Harper, former chief whip and chairman of the COVID recovery group, which fought for our freedoms uh, from lockdowns. He's now lending his considerable influence to the Sunak campaign, and I'm delighted to say he joins me now. So, Mark, look, can you understand, number one, why folk like me and a large portion of Conservative members are very angry with Rishi Sunak because of the fact that he backstabbed Boris Johnson when he was meant to be his chancellor and, and trying to save us from this economic hellscape that we're in. Well, look, I don't... Um, thank you for what you said about the, the stuff that, that I did on COVID where you and I actually were... Yes, shared, we were in full agreement views. there. Um, it's worth saying, of course, that in government during that period, mm. Rishi Sunak actually was one of the people on our side who was trying to argue for a more balanced approach to COVID uh, and actually, when we did have to take difficult decisions, of course, when he was brand new as being Chancellor, uh, you know, understood the concerns of the public and actually responded very quickly and rolled out furlough and all of the support that means that millions of jobs and thousands of businesses were saved. So actually, I think for those th reasons, it's one of the reasons why I think he's the right person. But on, on your point about, mm. about the Prime Minister, look... I'm afraid the sad truth is I voted for Boris Johnson to be leader of the mm. Conservative Party. The sad truth is the only person responsible for his downfall is himself. Poor decisions and not being straight about them. And Rishi Sunak was very loyal to him for a very long period of time, longer actually than 
probably some people think he should have been. Uh, and But at some point, given everything that happened with what happened with Chris Pincher, the fact the government wasn't straight about it and the Prime Minister wasn't straightforward about it, there comes a point when you, you just can't mm. continue in office. And I, that's the point that he reached. Yeah. And, and by the way, he wasn't the only one. I mean, no, no. a huge number of ministers yes. resigned from the government. But, but I'm not talking about once he resigned. Mm-hmm. Be, because what, what the suggestion is, and look, I'll, I'll play yeah. you some, something, sure. but the suggestion is that he had been plotting for months. So have a look at, this is what the Culture Secretary, Nadine Dorries, had to say about this. And some difficult decisions were taken, like when we wanted to lift restrictions from COVID, it was very difficult to get the Chancellor at meetings to to commit to any policy at all. None of us really looked up. We didn't take our noses away from the work that we were doing to actually really pay any attention to what others might have been doing behind the scenes because we were all working so hard. And frankly, that's why so many people have been shell-shocked for the last few days. It's one of the reasons why you've seen the kind of chaotic situation we have with individual campaigns. Rishi had been planning his campaign to the letter, launched it the day it was ready, and everybody else is kind of like blindsided and thinking, what's going on? We've all been working so hard. How can he have been that campaign ready? Well, the answer is he wasn't working so hard. We all were. So how do you respond to that? Well, look, I, I'm not going to criticise Nadine personally, but that account, I, I mean, simply not true. I mean, there was a very interesting article... But, but he had by... the website registered, the Ready for oh. Rishi website. Yeah, that, that, that was, was registered, registered back in yeah, December. Lots of people register things so that other people don't steal the websites. But I can tell you, there's an article by one of my colleagues, Andrew Murrison, a very respected yeah. colleague, who actually was very frustrated with Rishi when he was Chancellor, because Andrew went to see him, very frustrated with the Prime Minister, thought the Prime Minister needed to go, tried to get Rishi to... to you know, go along with that. I'm very frustrated when Rishi remained loyal to the Prime Minister. He worked incredibly hard as Chancellor, um, delivering the spring statement, all of the help for people on energy. So that, that characterisation, I simply don't recognise. Um, and, and yes, he's, he's uh, run an effective campaign, but it hasn't been planned for ages. Um, you know, colleagues came together uh, after the Prime Minister uh, had to go. And by the way, as far as the Prime Minister is concerned, you talked about our party members. When the, by the time the Prime Minister left, just before and just after, a majority of Conservative Party members felt it was right he should go. And a majority of Conservative voters who voted for us in 2019 thought he needed to go because of what happened. And it is a tragedy that he had so much potential uh, and he wasn't able to deliver on it. I don't take no pleasure in it, but it did need to happen. And, and that's what the majority of our members think and the majority of our members of parliament think. But the polls, we now need to the, focus the polls on the don't back that up and the surveys of the Conservative members don't back that up. It, it feels like there's a massive disconnect oh, look, between the Tory MPs well, at Westminster well, let's see. and the Conservative well, Party first members. Of all, well, first of all, of course, Tory Party MPs go to Westminster for parliament, but, but we do all go back to our mm. constituencies. That's where I live. I live in my constituency and I come to parliament for things. I talk so you to, must have spoken so to I, constituents I, that are angry about the way that Boris Johnson's uh, No, most of my constituents wanted him to go. Most of my constituents are very pleased he's gone uh, and, and most of my party members are as well. So uh, I think I reflect them very well. And I, I would say on these polls of party members, they're snapshots, not predictions. And I think now that we're down to two candidates, we've got two great candidates. Both of them are fine people, they're good people. I happen to think Rishi Sunak's the better person to be prime minister. They're both great people. We've got fantastic talent in the Tory party. That was a fantastic range of candidates. 
the Labour Party is really cross because in September we're either going to have our third female prime minister <laughs> or our first person who's an ethnic minority. Yeah, and, prime and, they go the and the vote. Labour Party finds that incredibly annoying. Uh, Alison Pearson, who is obviously very respected mm-hmm. Daily Telegraph columnist and incredibly in touch with Tory party mm-hmm. members, she thinks it would be electoral suicide, and she's been very clear mm-hmm. on this, she's written yeah, yeah. about it, for the party to elect in the midst of a cost of living crisis mm-hmm. uh, the richest politician mm-hmm. that we've ever had in this country. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think Rishi's personal wealth, I mean, look, I, I, I do, I'm not into the politics yeah. of envy, but he was wearing, you know, 450-pound mm-hmm. loafers on that building site the other day. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think his personal wealth, given the, the era that we're in, could be a difficulty for your campaign? No, let me pick up two points that, that you quote Alison on there. Well, the first point, just on the facts, the opinion polls say that Rishi Sunak actually is the only person in this race who is the one that can beat Keir Starmer, right? We've just had two TV debates last weekend, uh, and particularly the ITV one, the public, so, so not Tory party members admittedly, mm. but the public said that he was the clear winner. So the polling says he's the person that can win an election for us. On the point about his wealth, and, and of course most of that money is actually his, his wife's mm. money, uh, I'd, I'd say this. First of all, you judge a man by what he does, not by um, his background. You know, his, his mum was a pharmacist, his dad was an NHS GP, he doesn't come from money. Um, he uh, delivered for us, you mentioned it yourself, and I talked about it in the pandemic, he understood the fears that people had about their jobs and their businesses, and he responded. And he did so this year as well, responding to the fears people have about energy prices. So I'd say judge him on that. And the final thing I'd say is, and he, he set this out, I think, in the ITV debate, if I'm allowed to mention mm. mainstream media. Yes, um, yes you are. Was, that talk, was bad for the party, he, though, he, that debate, he, though. But he talked about his father-in-law's um, uh, rise. Yeah, and it yeah, was, yeah. you know, he's a man who started a business with nothing. Yes, he, he didn't company, run away from it. And it was a, yeah. a man who now employs thousands of people in Britain. Yeah. That's the Conservative yeah. story. We want more people to have those opportunities. And I think that is a... That's something that you can connect to people with. Just, just finally, Mark, you're obviously former chief. Whip. Yep. Gavin Williamson is involved in this campaign. Can you just categorically assure us all that there were no dark arts going on during this campaign, no lending of votes? Because there is a real theory from the Penny mm-hmm. Mordant campaign yeah. that you lot lent votes potentially to Liz Truss because you didn't want to face Penny Mordant in, in the runoff. Can no, you categorically, I can categorically confirm that's deny untrue? that? The, the person running the whipping operation was a guy called Mel Stride. Yes. He was a very Mel, senior yeah. whip in my whip's office when I was chief whip. He's a straight dealer. Uh, and we gave a very simple message to every single Conservative MP that wanted Rishi Sunak to be Prime Minister, which was if you want him to be Prime Minister, vote for him every single round of the So no vote lending went on at all? No, not at all. And we we specifically spent a lot of time telling people not to do that because we wanted to get the maximum possible number of votes for Rishi. Mark Harper? Back in Rishi Sunak. We will speak again over the next six weeks. It's going to be very interesting. It's time now for Uncancelled. And this is where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. Now, Rod Liddell originally backed Kemi Badenoch for PM. So what does he make of the final showdown between Rishi and Truss and how they'll fare in the red wall? Rod, what's your verdict? bit depressing, old chum. I think, I think that the Tory party has been busy writing its own death certificate for the last week and a half. Uh, I think that the combination of 
let's let's count our blessings first that Penny Morton didn't get through. I mean, I think that's very important. Uh, I think it's always good if you're called the Conservative Party to have someone who's kind of a Conservative somewhere at the top of it. Uh, But we're left with Liz and Rishi, and it seems almost certain, judging from the opinion polls, that we'll be left with Liz. Um, Now, there are some good things about her, and I don't want to judge her too harshly yet, but... She is, I think, a catastrophic public speaker. I don't Mm. think she carries a room. I don't think she carries much weight when she actually speaks. Uh, I don't think she's terribly good in the chamber. Uh, I think that Penny Mordaunt, Kemi Badenoch, Rishi Sunak, uh, certainly Tom Tugendhat were all a lot better. Um, I think what's happened is, is that this process has been done far too quickly. I agree. Yeah. Do you you not agree, Dan? No, I completely agree. Because the thing is, it meant that that someone like Kemi didn't have the chance to properly emerge. It was stacked in favour of the establishment candidates. I think it was far too short. And they were just doing it because they wanted to go off on holiday, which is just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And and I think, you know, for me, the two most interesting candidates were Tom Tugendhat, who's probably from the left of the party, yeah. uh, but, but a kind of with an original take on, on that position. Uh, and and by, by far my favourite candidate was Kemi Badenoch. And as you say, they didn't get a chance to push their case. More to the point, you know, it was only latterly, and this has been across the, across the course of a week, that suddenly MPs found out that Penny Morden was woker than a snowy owl at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you, you know, it was... It, it, that that is a huge problem. We do not know what these people stand for. Now, Liz Truss, I've heard her say some good things. Um, I've heard her, heard her say some pretty dumb things. She's got a Biden-esque knack for the wrong phrase, uh, as we've already seen or, 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 or today. I don't know if you've heard that she's promised that when she becomes prime minister, she will hit the ground. Yeah, that was unfortunate. She, I think she meant hit the ground. When she actually did the little interview, she did say hit the ground running, but I think the social media person mucked it up. And, yeah, that was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. I will give you that. I mean, we've got to give her a chance, but but it seems to me there's, there's a real problem there. There's people like you, Dan, uh, up in the Red Wall, where I am now, who think it was wrong to have got rid of Boris Johnson and will not vote for the Conservative Party because they got rid of Boris Johnson. You know, so yeah. they've lost those votes. Yeah. But but they've also lost plenty of other votes simply because of how Boris behaved when he was in office. And I don't think that Liz has got that power to pull in new votes in a way that, for example, Kerry Badenoch might have done. Uh, that, that's, that's my grave worry about it. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'm actually... Uh pretty satisfied that Liz Truss uh, has the right views and the right set of policies. I agree with you when it comes to her presentation, but I'm going to go for substance over style here. Because what? We're, we're saying with Rishi Sunak, number one, I mean, I can't stomach the fact that that he did what he did to Boris Johnson, that he was secretly planning his campaign for six months and not properly doing his work uh, when he was meant to be saving us from economic catastrophe. I just think that's appalling. And if he wanted... Uh, to campaign against Boris Johnson. He should have done the honourable thing and resigned from Cabinet in the same way that Lord Frost did back uh, last December. But my biggest issue with him, 
Rodgers, he's basically saying more of the same when it comes to the economic policy. It's like, just look around you. It ain't working. Possibly, possibly. Though I think that, that, that Sunak is at least a competent performer uh, and an intellect. I, I think he would have a kind of... Uh, 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 a battle then in the general election between two of the most boring people in humankind, uh, <laughs> which is Rishi versus yeah. Starmer. But there's another there's another problem with with Liz that she's not not terribly keen on spending money. And I know you and I might differ on this a bit, mm. Dan. But an awful lot of people in those red wall seats voted Conservative because they were promised leveling up, because they were promised investment in infrastructure and in, in and uh, in industry. Uh, and in regional transport and in hospitals in the north of England. Uh, and some of that's already happened. You know, we've got free ports at my own uh, gaff in side, which has provided a lot of jobs, but we were expecting a lot more than that. And from what I'm hearing from both candidates, that doesn't seem as if it's going to be forthcoming, which means I don't think that they'll win those seats back. No, I mean, Sunak's entire campaign is going to be based on the idea that he can win those seats. And as a result... He can win the general election for the Tories when Liz Truss can't. But I I'm sorry, I, I sign up to the Alison Pearson theory on this, which is in the Red Wall, people are just going to be turned off by Rishi Sunak's, uh, you know, it's, it's overwhelming wealth, Rod. You know, it's wealth on a different level. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Red Wall necessarily dislikes wealth. I think what the Red Wall would like is some of that wealth spread down to it. You know, I, th I think, and I think that's, I think that's the problem which which both Liz and Rishi will have because I don't see either of them uh, with their hands in their on their wallets. And and you know, that is that is what's needed to to make this country a little bit more equal than it's been. But but by the same token, the other thing which really did get the Red Wall seats going. Uh, is the culture war and, and the, the nonsense, the rubbish we've had to put up with uh, uh, from people like Penny Morden, for example, over the last 10 years. And, you know, I think there's a chance that if Rishi or Liz could make that a major plank of their of their armoury, then there is a chance yeah. that there's, there's see some clear blue water between well, them the and only, Labour. The, but only, no. the only person who will do that out of those two is Truss. And Truss did a brilliant job as uh, in the equalities beat in terms of protecting the rights of biological women. And I played the clip earlier, Rod, I don't know if you remember it, but when when uh, Sunak was asked by Julia Hartley Brewer to define what a woman was, he refused. So I actually believe that with Sunak, we actually have someone a bit like Mordant, who, who is woke. He doesn't want to tackle the culture war. I, I think I think less so than uh, than Mordant. I think I think all of these spineless, gutless tossers uh, uh, are abiding by um, uh, by shibboleths which they know are incorrect uh, and which they find themselves ludicrous. But they are too spineless to say anything about them. So it's to, to Liz Truss's credit that she has, uh, and it was obviously to Kemi Badenoch's immense credit that she made it an important part of her platform. Um, well, she's got to get a major role in the, in the next administration, right? Whoever's prime minister, yeah. she, she's she's got to have one of those uh, major offices of state. Yes, I think so, and I, I think Tugendhat as well. Uh, I, I mean, I think he was very impressive. It was it was good to hear yeah. someone with a degree of intellect and a few fresh ideas. And I also tend to agree with him. I and mean, he was a former soldier, 
on uh, on the approach to Russia as well, and and a certain hypocrisy which we've had towards Russia. Um, so I, I think he was an original thinker and, and a good thing to hear. Um, the, the rest of them, uh, I, I think Morden was catastrophic, even though she's clearly competent at the dispatch box. Uh, and Nadim, <laughs> Nadim again was a victim of people thinking he had too much money. You know. Um, yeah, I like Braverman as well. I think Braverman would be good in the next cabinet, yeah. a, a bigger role as well, because she hasn't really been able to spread her wings as Attorney General. But Fascinating analysis, Rod. I know we're going to keep on this over the next six weeks, so we'll speak to you next week. Thank you so much. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News.